This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, uh, we talked about Eagles-Packers last night. An incredible game, 34-27. Eagles get the win, unfortunately, for Cowboys fans. Now let's move on to the rest of the NFL and look at the other matchups. And I'm just going to fly through these games. If anything catches your fancy skin, uh, let me know. We don't have to spend a lot of time on on, uh, some of the lesser games. But let's start with the Titans at Falcons. Uh, Marcus Mariota, not really very good. I I don't understand why he's not good. At one point, I really thought... He was going to be good last week. He uh, he completed just 23 of 40 passes. Well, so the guy that you saw coaching for the Packers last night was the guy that was supposed to sort of revitalize their offense. And if you go back and look at last year, the only game where they revitalized it was against the damn Cowboys in the first game we had Amari Cooper back. I always believed in Mariota. I, I You know, it's hard when you look at the numbers to make an argument that he's Right there, but look at that draft. They had Jameis and they had Mariota go one and two, and I don't know that either one of those teams feel like they have their found their quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, they got some positives and some negatives, but going into the season, these were two of those teams that I wasn't really sure what they were. I think I'm pretty sure that Atlanta's on the backslide, man. I mean, they they got. They got weapon. They still have Jones. Ryan doesn't look to be the same guy that he's been, which is the way he started last year. But uh, these are two just by very definition, just middle of the pack, average NFL teams. And they're the kind of teams that if you have a team like the Cowboys and you lose to either one of those teams, you're crazy disappointed. So this should be a mediocre slugfest. Did Mariota get sacked nine times last week? Is that accurate? Nine? I'm reading that he took nine sacks last week, 17 in three games. Highest total in the league. That's got to be a misprint, right? Nine no. sacks. That's very, very difficult. To, no, yeah, uh, Jacksonville sacked him nine times. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Good Lord. Uh, Matt Ryan had seven interceptions last season. He had none until week six. He already has six this season. Wow. So, yeah, not the same guy. Uh, let's move on to Patriots at Bills. I found this uh, last night. My, actually, my son told me about this, that Tom Brady has more Super Bowl MVPs then he has losses to the Bills in his career, and he plays them twice a year. He's 30-3 and three against the Bills, and he's got four Super Bowl MVPs. Okay, so unless the undefeated Bills sweep the Patriots this year, that's a record that will stay intact. Uh, this is the week that the Bills' bubble burst. Not only are the Patriots going to beat them, I think the Patriots are going to run them. Let me get a look at what that line is so far. New England is currently a seven-point favorite at Buffalo. I think they're going to run them, dude. I think, I think, you know, it's a little circumstantial. It's a little schedule. I don't want to take anything away from Buffalo, but this is where the bubble bursts. New England's going to destroy them. All right. Uh, by the way, Josh Allen, this is kind of an interesting stat from FantasyGuru.com. Uh, he has... of his team's rushing attempts inside the 10-yard line. So you think about it, you get inside the 10, Uh you start handing it off to your running back, you get that running game. You saw Green Bay needed it last night. Right. 
50% of the time, it's Josh Allen running. And I would say, without having seen any of those plays, that's 50% of the time, oh, crap, someone's not open. Oh, crap, someone's not open. Oh, crap, someone's not open. Here I go. Yep. Uh, Next game, uh, Raiders at Colts. Uh, Derek Carr has completed passes for 10 yards a pop in 35 of 81 career starts. Uh, What do you make of Derek Carr and what he's facing right now? Uh, So he's he's – I mean – he's got to know that Gruden doesn't believe in him, right? Apparently Gruden took that. One of the reasons Gruden took that job was because of the prospect of working with Carr. Last season was such a disaster for him. The Raiders gave up on Amari Cooper. Fathom that he had lost. Carr had lost connection with the guy who runs perfect routes. Now I don't watch a lot of Raiders football. I've seen the Colts play quite a bit and I do like them a lot. Um, But the Raiders are a rudderless team. And they certainly can't feel like Carr is their quarterback of the future, even though they've paid him as such. They're kind of on that same train that we were talking about with Tampa and Tennessee. The one problem, though, is that they are financially committed to Derek Carr. So I I haven't looked when they can escape from him, but I think this is probably the season where he completely wears out his welcome. Uh, Jacoby Brissett looks like the real deal uh, for the Colts. Yeah, he's got a quarterback rating of 115 in two out of three games at 310 yards. Two touchdowns last week. Hit his first 16 passes to start the game. Ten targets to T.Y. Hilton, who didn't even play in the second half. He he re-injured his quad on on a first-half touchdown, so he didn't play at all in the second half. Ten targets in the first half for T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, and Ben, they have uh, the Colts have their front office scene turned around. Remember when they were just and hey, we can, we can go back in time on this and talk about Andrew Luck retiring early. Remember when they were just drafting weapons instead of linemen. And the flip side of that is Andrew Luck got lit up and he was done at the age of 29. They've got their whole front office scene turned around. And one of the really super shrewd moves, trading for Jacoby Brissett and then signing him to a two-year $30 million deal. They have him as really one of the lower-paid quarterbacks in the NFL. And you just saw by what you're reading, he's very effective for that. Let's go on to Chiefs at Lions. Obviously, Pat Mahomes is just a beast. Uh, He's thrown at least... Three touchdown passes in seven straight road games, which is the longest streak in NFL history. Yeah, so they're going to get destroyed, the Lions. Um, God, the Chiefs are so much fun to watch, too. By the way, Ben, I want to backtrack right quick. I should have hit this as part of your Pats-Bills preview. Uh, Our own KT Fun Tweets, who will be with Shippy tomorrow at Boomer Jackson Grapevine from 11 to 1. He has the Patriots and Bills as his KT Fun Tweets Fun Game of the Week. Oh. Because that's the game where oftentimes sex toys get thrown onto the field, if we remember that from <laughs> oh, the past. That's right. So that always makes for a very fun game. Here's what I like about what the Chiefs are doing. Mahomes is finding a different receiver to target each week. So it's like if you're starting to get a, about like your fantasy stock in one guy or another. Like I was stoked about Sammy Watkins week one. He had 198 receiving yards, three touchdowns. Not a ton since. Demarcus Robinson at 174 and two in week two. And then uh, in week three, McCole Hardman had the 83-yard touchdown reception. So uh, basically you're looking at Mahomes spreading the love. If you're open, you're getting the rock. Yeah, and that's what uh, good quarterbacks are supposed to do. And that's why we're really stoked about what's happening with Dak early on, right? He's not just hyper-focusing on someone. Hey, I realize when you have a weapon you're comfortable with, but there was a lot of times last night where you're watching the field and Wentz can go a lot of different places, and when he can go a lot of different places, he always goes to Ertz. He always goes to Ertz, and that's settling in, right? And that's a lot of times easy to take that away. So 
point point proven on what Mahomes is doing. I like that Dak is doing the same thing this year. All right, let's go to Panthers at Texans. Uh, Cam Newton is not going to to play, uh, and uh, he's got that uh, what's it called, Liz Frank issue? Yeah, the Liz Frank, like the broken bone in his foot, right? Which is a really weird name for an injury. Um, Kyle Allen makes his second start, and we talked about his contractual situation. Carolina could get out of that deal and only get hit with like two million on their cap. Is that accurate? That Something is like that? accurate. Yeah, at the end of this season, uh, and if they keep him, they're paying him. I think he's a twenty million dollar hit next year, which is still for the caliber of quarterback he is when he's healthy. That's obviously a huge bargain. I'm a little surprised that Carolina is only a four point dog on the road at Houston without their starting quarterback. Uh, that's uh, that's that's to me a lot of respect for what Carolina is doing. If that's what your line is, dude, Kyle Allen is slanging it. Uh, Eleven for fourteen on passes in the air for more than ten yards last week. So that's two hundred three yards and three scores. Uh, the Texans uh, uh, are going to have to dip, put that to an end. Are going to have to stop that. Kyle Allen impressive. I mean, he's impressive enough to me. Where again, this is where you get in. There's no loyalty in the league. It's a cutthroat business. You, if you're Carolina, you kind of have to move on from Cam, don't you? I think you have to just because he's so beat up. And, and you know, we talk about this. We, we broke – dude, he's going to have made if – they, if they cut ties with him, he still will have made $120 million by the time he was 30 years old. It's not like uh, he got screwed over or anything, but I don't know how you can – this was my whole point on the Romo deal. It wasn't that I was – Thought Romo wasn't any good or anything, but I was like, man, if if you can pay a rookie quarterback that much and win games versus pay a guy who's been hurt in three consecutive seasons now that much, you got to make the pivot at some point. Which is why no player should ever show loyalty to an organization. They're going to dump you on your arse as soon as they can. Romo's playing with a punctured lung. Why? They're going to dump you the first chance they get because you can't stay healthy. Right. It's like, man, it just makes – look at Des Bryant. Yes, coming back, not healthy, fighting his way back, playing before he should be playing, and as soon as they could dump him, they will. There's no – it's just – it is what it is. It's a cutthroat league, and uh, players would be wise to remember that. Next game, Chargers at Dolphins. Good Lord, the Dolphins are terrible. Melvin Gordon uh, has reported, but he's not going to suit up. Right. Um, Dolphins are as bad as any team has ever been in the history of ever. Yeah, they're pretty bad. I do. Uh, it's a lot of times hard to decipher this when you do have a team like that. I, I'm I'm in the camp that thinks Rosen can play. I don't know if they have the number one pick. I'm sure they're still going to take a quarterback because why wouldn't you? I think Rosen's got a future in the league. I think he's a decent NFL quarterback, maybe even a really good NFL quarterback. But it's hard to show it in that situation. He didn't have a lot of time to throw. I mean, just look at how... Quickly, the Cowboys were blitzing early in that game. Eh, we can get to him, and he's a young quarterback. He'll get rid of the ball. Back to that game, though, Chargers kind of desperately need this if they're going to sell. I mean, dude, they're going to beat the Dolphins, but they need to get momentum. They need to beat them em- emphatically and show that they're a team that actually is a playoff-caliber team and does have, in their mind, Super Bowl aspirations. The Dolphins are at a 117, negative 117 point differential through three games. Oh, my God. It's negative 117. That. Well, they dropped six on the Cowboys. Unbelievable. And then final game for round one of around the NFL, uh, you've got the Redskins going to New York to play the Giants. Well, somebody's got to win. So, because the skins are so bad, my first inclination would be, well, the Giants will get this. Look at what they did last week. No Barkley, dude. No Saquon Barkley. 
rookie quarterback. That's going to get rough on him really quick. This is going to be an ugly, ugly game, and the team that doesn't do the dumbest crap at the most inopportune times is the one that wins this mediocre fest. Man, I saw a, uh, my son showed me this last night, a picture from the Redskins sideline, and it was uh, a coordinator over there on the sideline. I think they were talking to Case Keenum, and Dwayne Haskins is just looking the other way going, are you serious? I can't be a part of this. I, I, I can't at least be that good. And, you know, I, I understand the, the way you look at it as, as a franchise where you're like, you know what, if we throw this guy out there, he'll get destroyed. We may ruin his confidence. He may be rattled. But, I mean, at some point they're going to have to roll Dwayne Haskins out there and kind of see what he has, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think you have to. Unless, you know, the idea is there is a benefit to, like, we've talked about this, not sending a guy out there to just get totally beaten up. Yeah, I agree. But and, look at look at the Giants. Look at Daniel Jones. I mean, it worked. They, they gambled. They throw him out there. They put Eli Manning on the bench. And Daniel Jones is ridiculous. He overcame an 18-point deficit mm-hmm. of the second largest comeback for a rookie quarterback in his first start uh, since the merger. And so the other aspect of having a rookie quarterback over on the sideline is to learn. What is he learning from what the Redskins are rolling out right now? Right. That's a tough decision to make. But, man, that is a real crap game. All right. So Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next. We're going to drop some numbers on you that are going to have you so excited about your sports future in the next six months. You might just go ahead and start drinking right now. Great sports news for your local team coming up next on 105.3 The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right. Thank you, Shippy Ben and Skin Show 105.3 The Fan. And we are at Fat Daddy's in Mansfield. Get on out here if you're in the area. Great place for lunch. Or if you get to kick off early on a Friday, great place to come get your drink on. Happy Hour starts at 2 o'clock, and they got some really great deals with the Happy Hour stuff. Ben and I just put in our lunch order. We are very happy. Here's something that came out of last night's game, Ben, Philadelphia versus Green Bay, that Cowboy fans should be very, very dialed into. Now, there was obviously the two major injuries early in the game. Uh, Green Bay's Williams left the game. He did have, uh, you know, he could move his lower extremity, so that's good. And then late in the game, there was the play with Maddox, the defensive back for Philadelphia, got hit by Sandejo, his own teammate. Uh, he's apparently has movement. So those appear to be very serious injuries where guys left on stretchers that the news today at least is, is is positive. That didn't look good. When Maddox left the field, it was for you know, like you said, the second time a stretcher had come out. I mean, he, you didn't see a thumbs up or anything. You know, right. it just looked really bad. You had guys out on the field praying. He, he was down for a long time. Pretty incredible, too. You know, so there's the injury part and then the juxtaposition of going out there and getting a game-saving stop mm-hmm. right after that to just dial it back up and uh, and 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 – you know, be into the moment, into the game, just like that. Very impressive. Uh, but this should be something that's very interesting The Cowboy fans. Can't look ahead. We know the danger of Sunday night's game. But right now, Devontae Adams, if you saw the footage of the way he was walking around, uh, he's got a bad turf toe injury. 
He couldn't even put a shoe on after the game. Couldn't even put a shoe on. Says it was too painful, too swollen, and he didn't even want to try. So, look, that game is going to be in 10 days. But I would say this. We know this with Dion when he was here. Turf toe is the definition of a nagging injury that just does not go away. And they let Cobb go. We're getting the benefit of that. They let Devontae Adams go. I saw KT, who obviously knows a lot about the Packers, tweeting about this. Their receiving weapons are really dwindled down. To lose Adams, that's a tough blow for them. Dude, he had, what, like 158 yards in the first half? I mean, it was unbelievable. He looked unstoppable. He had a 100-yard first quarter. Good God. Um, that first big catch down the sideline, too, was a tone setter. Yeah, and it, you know, and it still looks, even though they racked up huge yardage, it still is a team trying to learn their new scheme. It just it at times looks odd. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is arguably the best quarterback in all of football, but it's still just something is a little off with, with what they're doing. And uh, they're getting killed today for all those opportunities inside the five- or six-yard line and just refusing to run the ball. You know, I get that, and I get, uh, there are some really uh, the Warren Sharp stats that the mm-hmm. morning show had. But part of it, too, that the first time they were down there and they had four and out and they didn't score, what the hell were they doing on third down? Was that going to be a naked bootleg for Aaron Rodgers? He was like, oh, crap, and then nobody else was running their routes? That was, that's just complete dysfunction on every level. No, I mean, no one's executing. I guarantee you there are several guys that were not dialed in on, on what the play was supposed to be in the first place. All right, I saw you uh, repost this on your Instagram account the other day, and that is the nickname Swolzingus. Will that... <laughs> Will that become the nickname? Is the Christops Porzingis? We're about to, we're about to be inundated with this, Ben, because Monday is Mavs Media Day, and so it's going to be more than just pictures. The Mavs or teammates have been leaking out on Instagram or or Twitter. People are about to see firsthand what Christops Porzingis looks like and how he's ready to rock and roll. Yeah, I, I can't believe it. I mean, we've heard that uh, you know he they basically rebuilt his body. They're like, look, we want to get your knee healthy. You're going to sit out longer than you probably want to sit out. Let's just go ahead and take an entire year off to only lift weights, get back physically healthy in one piece. And uh, it's, it shows. I mean, I, it's, it's amazing looking at him. And the footage of him playing at the Mavs facility with him being all swelled up and then jumping up off the ground so freaking high. There was a, a one picture with Dwight Powell, who's 6'11", holding his hand in Porzingis's face or trying to reach it. And Porzingis, I mean, it's impossible for somebody to get that high and block his jumper. Yeah, and the other thing, too, as you think about this, if anybody saw the picture Ben's talking about, you know, usually if you're closing out on a guy, uh, it's very unlikely you're going to be able to close out and contest the shot unless it's a smaller player and you're like one of these six nine rangy dudes closing out. But if you're closing out on a big guy shooting, what you really want to do is affect the sight line, get a hand in the face. You keep, Powell's not even doing that. And usually when bigger players are catching and shoot guys from the outside, you just you, you can't get out to them, especially if they're standing a couple feet behind the three-point line. The example I would give you, and I know there's people that listen to the station that are Houston Rockets fans, is what Ryan Anderson was supposed to be for, for Houston, right? Closing out on a 6'11 guy draining threes is very, very difficult when the person with the ball is commanding so much attention. 
In this case with the Mavericks, it's going to be Luka Doncic. So as we get ready for Mavs media day, and keep in mind, we're going to be seeing footage of Kristaps and Luka playing together in the next two weeks. You realize preseason games start up here in about two weeks. They're not going to – at this point, they don't have to go slow with Kristaps in any way, right? No. I, there's actually a little Brad Townsend piece today where he's doing the five different things that people should be thinking about as they head into the Mavericks season. And, and one of the things about it is that, you know, he wanted to come back last year. Uh, the Mavericks were like, no. And, and also, you know, Kristaps' own medical people who – one of them is now actually on the Mavericks staff and is part of their whole, uh, you know, training staff. But they're like, no, 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 we, we don't need you to come back now. It's, it's not even a tank thing. It's let's rebuild the guy so he's 100% ready to go. And so I don't think there's going to be – there may be some load management things where it's the second night of a back-to-back and some of those kinds of things. But I don't know that uh, they need to roll him out slowly. I think they can roll him out. He hadn't played basketball in – 17 months or 18 months and we were just talking about what his body looks like and so I think it's going to be here we go he's one of our two most important players and he's fully healthy let's go play basketball I don't think there's going to be like you know a lot of quote-unquote load management type stuff who is the Mavs third best player um so third best or third most important right Give me both okay I think their third most important player for the way this team wants to function is probably Dwight Powell. Reason being is that you have two scores, and to free up those scores, you need a very important screen-setting role guy, and that's what Dwight Powell does. The numbers of his effectiveness, you know, he's like shooting over 70% around the rim when he's out there with Luka. And so what that does is not only does it give Luca someone to throw lobs to for dunks, then you start having to, quote-unquote, tag the roller, slow down the roller. Well, it's your help side defense that's doing that. So when your help side defense is tagging the roller, that means some wide-open dude is in the corner ready to shoot the highest percentage three-point shot. Guys are not going to be covering or not leaving Kristaps. You can't. It's kind of like the old Dirk effect. Remember when Monte got here and I was like, oh, my God, Monte's good. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah it's because they're not leaving Dirk. You can't leave Dirk. Well, Kristaps is the same way. You can't leave him because he shoots such a high percentage and he's so hard to close out on. That's going to free up all these other guys to eat. So paint a picture for me. How are Porzingis and Luca going to play together? What's that going to look like? Well, there, it'll a lot of different ways. So here's some numbers, Ben that uh, Tim Cato with The Athletic rolled out this week in anticipation of the, of the start of the season. So last year, after the All-Star break, Luka Doncic averaged 96.5 touches a game after the All-Star break. That was first in the entire league. Whoa. More than Harden. For the year, he averaged 79.5. Well, actually, 79.5 before the All-Star okay. break. So they really started ramping it up. But he was out there with, you know, guys that weren't really going to be getting it done and all that. He's going to be – he's your point guard. And, and one way, you know, you can kind of think about it is they're going to be playing – it's different players, but they're going to be playing in a similar fashion to the way the Milwaukee Bucks played last year where we are spreading it completely out. They would put the ball in Giannis's hands and make guys make decisions and everything goes through Giannis. It's going to be the same way with Luka Doncic. We're completely spread out, including – if you watch Milwaukee play, they had big Brooke, Brooke Lopez that drained threes. Mm-hmm. 
Kristaps is going to be doing the same thing. So there will be times where Kristaps is operating in the elbow area and Luke will be coming off of his screen. There's going to be times where Dwight will be setting the screen and he'll be more off spacing the floor so that the, the help defense has to make a decision. Are we just going to give up a dunk to Dwight Powell? Or are we going to leave Kristaps? Listen to this other number that Cato threw out here. There were zero players in the league last year outside of Kristaps Porzingis that had a block percentage greater than 6% and a three-point percentage greater than 39%. All right? So if you have a guy hitting 39% of his threes, that's a really high level. All right? Not only that is on defense, he's blocking about 6% of the shots that are taken when he's on the floor. Wow. Joel Embiid didn't do that. Even I just gave you that description of Brooke Lopez. He didn't do that. So he's in a very elite group of people in terms of I can block shots and I can drain threes. And when you think of the modern game and what people are pushing towards, we want high percentage three-point shots. And then on defense, we don't want to give up layups. We want people to take mid-range shots. When you have a guy back there on defense that blocks a lot of shots, guys have a tendency to pull up and shoot mid-range jumpers which that is how all of these modern defenses are designed. Can we force these guys into going in there and knocking down 15-foot shots as opposed to layups and three-pointers? Where you've seen that change, I'll give you an example, right? The Golden State Warriors, they shot as many mid-range shots as anybody in the league last year. Not on purpose. It's because people were running them off of the three-point line. So Steph and Claire are like, cool, I'll just dribble up and knock down this 15-footer. But that's where you're trying to force guys to take these shots. That's what Porzingis allows you to do and then on offense he completely spreads you out you know so that he's a he's a really fantastic weapon for Luca to work off of we know Luca's going to have the ball a lot that's what that other stat kind of indicated to you he's going to be creating you saw him at Dirk's tennis events and you know what kind of shape he's in and boy he's in great shape super thin super thin ready to get in there and 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 just be the hub of this offense and when you have a guy that commands so much attention, uh, and then there's another guy that's an elite scorer playing off of him, that other guy is just going to eat. I think your leading scorer this year is going to be Porzingis. I think Doncic will score a lot and he'll have the most assists and all those things, Mm -hmm. but I think the way this team's going to function, I think your 25-night-a-game guy is going to be Kristaps. Okay, so not to get too far ahead of things, but let's go ahead and get too far ahead of things. I love Uh, it. They they have a lot of cap space. Uh, They're going to be able to do something to add the third amigo to this at some point, not to take anything away from Dwight or anybody else. Right. Dwight's a but role player. He knows that. Bradley Beal's deal's not done, right? Nope. He hasn't got his extension done. He's he, he has to to get the Supermax. He has to be an all-star and hit some incentives or whatever. Right. Which, if he gets traded, he won't be a Supermax player. And he wants to be a Supermax player. Uh, so that's probably know, his goal, I mean, right? He's not on his rookie contract, is he? You no, know, he's not on his rookie contract, so he can't be a Supermax guy if he's traded. Right. So he has to get it there. So he probably doesn't want to be traded, but why? they haven't he, got a deal done. That's the perfect guy to add here, right? Oh, he would be so great. I mean, here. is that the perfect guy outside? Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, you could sign. You could get me on board. The question would be, do the Mavs have enough? If I'm if I'm the Wizards and I'm trading Bradley Beal, I got to get a haul back, and I don't know that the Mavericks have that. I'll give you one more quick stat, and then we'll move on and get back to the football. Seven and a half percent is what Seth Curry hit above what he was supposed to hit of the shots he took. Right, like in uh, just like when we're talking about quarterback ratings. 
Well, Dak is supposed to complete 64% of these types of passes. He's averaging, actually hitting 75%. Seth Curry, for the difficulty of the shots he took, Seth Curry is hitting 7.5% higher than he's supposed to hit, which puts him in the top five in the league. So what that means is, is when the defense is trying to figure out how to stop Luka and Porzingis, you have a deadly, deadly three-point shooter that has been here, knows your system, is ready to just light it up from three. Mavs Media Day gets going on Monday. Should be a lot of fun. we got a lot of great stuff coming up. We're going to get back into this Mike Minor controversy. I can't believe with one weekend of baseball left, we're talking about a Mike Minor controversy. We'll bring you the audio and the opinions of that. Also, some incredible stuff Tony Romo is doing, as well as back into the Jerry Jones audio. It's the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Thanks, Jimmy. It's the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. We're coming to you live from Fat Daddy's in Mansfield. Come join us out here today. What a great place to hang out. It's the place for Tolos to watch sports. 27 HD flat screens at a monster 165-inch projection TV. Watch all your favorite teams inside or out on their massively huge patio. We just ordered lunch, and we're stoked about that. So if you're anywhere in the area, stop by and enjoy a little Fat Daddies with your boys, the Ben and Skin Show. We're out of G-Bag Flags. Yeah. I just checked with Big Dong Jeremy. He says, yes, we're out. Okay. Uh, so that said, you're going to have to go out and uh, catch the general on the Tour Day DFW uh, tomorrow as he'll be out at all over the place delivering flags across the Metroplex. Yeah, and you know what? You can go to 1053thefan.com slash flagtober, but I'll give you a couple hints right quick, all right? For example, tomorrow at 10 a.m., Dallas Cowboys Pro Shop in Cedar Hill. So if you're on the sunny south side out there in the chill, boom, 10 o'clock, great place to be. Right there in Cedar Hill at the Dallas Cowboys Pro Shop. And then after that, they're heading at the Cowboys Pro Shop in Garland. So that's part of tomorrow. Go to 1053thefan.com forward slash Flagtober to get the entire schedule. All right. Awesome. Hey, uh, we got a couple different things to get into here. I do want to dive in a little Tony Romo news. Looks like Tony Romo might not be a part of the broadcast crew for the Vikings-Bears game on Sunday. So Nance Obviously, is out is on their him? Or? big game. Uh, the number one broadcast crew from CBS going to be there. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson set to cover that NFC North showdown. But Romo is golfing. Uh, he <laughs> shot a 200 par 70, uh, 200 par 70 in the uh, opening round of the Safeway Open on Thursday. He's only five shots off the lead. Now, this is a PGA tournament. And uh, this is incredible, man. So he is very likely going to qualify and won't be available to broadcast uh, a football game. And I think the way this works is I, I don't know that – I don't know in the past Romo has been able to play in as all the golf tournaments he's wanted to because, you know, his boss CBS has him doing other things. But I think as he's had more and more success, what he's doing is – He's saying, hey, listen, man, let me flex a little bit here. Um, if you want to keep me, you're going to need to pay me $10 million per year or more. As That's what we're hearing his contractual uh, uh, or his negotiations are getting into that range as Monday Night Football badly wants him. Uh, some other places badly want him. So it's kind of a bidding war for old Romo. Well, I think he's flexing a little bit, and we're finding out this is his true love. He loves golf more than anything outside of his family. And so if he has a chance to golf, he's going to golf. And I, I think probably the way CBS looked at this is like, all right, so he's going to be golfing. We don't really have a say in this. But, you know, no big deal. He's not going to qualify. He won't be playing into Sunday. He'll be free. 
But now that's looking in doubt, and they might have to go to their backup plan. Okay, their backup plan is Boomer Esiason. So I'd like to go – and let me tell you something. Not only do I want Romo to make the cut, which he was two under yesterday, the guys he was playing with, he was four strokes better than one of them and six strokes better than the other dude. So this is legit. This is the best he's ever shot on a PGA. The closest, he was three over on the Friday of the Byron Nelson last year. Uh, so this is far and away the best he's ever shot. Not even close. This is the fourth uh, PGA Tour event that he's played in. If he makes the cut, I not only want him to make the cut, I want him to win the Safeway Open because if he does, Darren Ravel said he would delete his Twitter account. <laughs> and nothing would make me happier than to watch Darren Ravel have to delete his Twitter account. <laughs> It'd be so great. Now, he's probably, I'm, I haven't looked. I imagine he has a million followers or something. He'd probably have to start all over. But that would be great. And then let me also go ahead and make this prediction. If Romo makes the cut and misses the game on Sunday and Boomer Esiason fills in, I can go ahead and tell you that at least three of Boomer's sports minutes on Monday will be about Tony Romo making the cut. <laughs> That'll be – unless there's some – Yeah, there's probably a famous birthday. I don't know. Maybe Red Auerbach smoked his first cigar, and we got to give love to that. But that'll be what it's all about. So this is great, dude. This obviously means an S ton to Romo. This is this is competition. This is not. I mean, I'm sure he loves calling the games and everyone telling him he's great, and making all that money. But that's not competition. This is legit competition with a legit field. This isn't the uh, fart butt Pontiac Open somewhere. This is a real field. This would be huge for him. To just make the cut. You know, I used to see him a little bit. Used to grab dinner every once in a while, and I know people that are very close to him, way closer than I am. They used to see him a little bit, too. Nobody sees him anymore except Uh, his family. I don't think people understand how seriously he's attacking golf. And people are like, oh, he'll never be able to compete on the PGA. He'll never... I mean, he doesn't care what you think. (laughs) He, He spends all day every day that he's not with his family playing golf, you know, working with uh, coaches, perfecting his swing. Uh, you know, he's constantly, constantly uh, cramming you know, golf into his world. And so he, this means the world to him. This is massively important to him. So, I mean, I, to me, this this sounds like a guy who just said, you know what, uh, I'm not even going to ask CBS if they're okay if I do it. I'm going to go do it. And then, you know, he's got a great leverage right now with them. So, what what are they going to say? Right. Uh, he's the most popular football broadcaster going. What hey, are listen, they going to say? Yeah, listen, you're suspended. And uh, by the way, will you come work for us for $10 million a year? I wonder, too, though, if, uh, you know, how that will impact his $10 million negotiations if he makes the cut, right? Because networks are going to know this is way more important to him. One way Which around it, that, it, Monday more- Night Football. That's a way around that. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Monday Night Football would never have any conflict with golf. Well, though, I mean, you can't. They got Booger on that, so you can't Do they? go after Romo. All right. Hey, a uh, crazy thing happened yesterday in a Ranger game. How about that? Mike Miner, uh, Mike Miner, a 200-200 season. 200 innings, 200 strikeouts, but it wasn't without controversy. Towards the end of this game, uh, there is a ninth inning pop-up. Mm-hmm. It's very, very high, and Ronald Guzman comes over to catch it, and then suddenly Miner is screaming at him, and as Guzzi said, uh, when I got close to it, I heard the whole stadium telling me to drop it, so Guzzi opted not to catch that foul pop-up. 
Well, that allowed the inning to keep going for another pitch, and that allowed Mike Miner to get his 200th strikeout hmm. as he got a strikeout on the next batter. Now, earlier, the inning prior, the Red Sox had come up swinging at the first pitch uh, three consecutive at-bats, which sent a message to the Rangers dugout that, hey, the Red Sox don't care about winning. All they care about is keeping Miner from getting 200 strikeouts. That is so weird, too. Yeah, it's very bizarre. And so basically what happened is uh, a little competition started. We talk about the way Romo competes. Well, a little friendly competition game within the game started. And this was bizarre to me, but I did talk to people who told me that one of the guys who got out swinging at the first pitch in the eighth for the Red Sox as he ran back to his dugout, he looked over at the Rangers dugout and laughed as if to say, ha, you ain't going to get that 200 strikeout on us. And so I think Miner just got super competitive. He's like, wait. You guys have abandoned the game, and now you're just trying to keep me. Well, then I'm I'm not going to worry about the game either. I'm just going to worry about getting this 200 strikeout. So it created a weird thing. I don't think anybody's super proud of the way it went down, uh, but it's also not that big of a deal, and I think everybody is uh, thinks it's a pretty cool milestone for Mike Miner to get, but certainly some butt-hurtedness coming from the Red Sox. Yeah, and the other weird thing about it, you talk about it not being you know a, a real significant thing in the grand scheme of things, it's – 200 strikeouts is significant to one person, Mike Miner. When have you ever at the end of a baseball season gone, man, look at these 200 strikeout guys? You don't. It's good for 10th in the American League this year. It's not some great milestone. It's, a, it's impressive. It's good for him when you look at his journey, when you look at a guy that you know was a bullpen guy, a guy that's been hurt a lot, uh, and then look at what happened in the two or three games leading up to the trade deadline, right? There was some thought amongst people that he had either, A, let it get to him mentally, or B, was starting to wear down. Well, he clearly wasn't starting to wear down. He gave you a nice long effort yesterday, did get 200 strikeouts. This is significant to Mike Miner, but this isn't significant in the annals of baseball. No one's ever talking about the guys that get 200 strikeout seasons. I think Woody wanted it. I think the team wanted it. But it's only if it like happened organically. It wasn't that big of a deal, and I still don't I don't think it is. It's just weird to have the season wind down and, and have this happen. Take a listen to what this sounded like on uh, 105.3 The Fan. And then Odor added a home run. And there's a swing and a pop-up, and that's playable on the right side of the infield. Guzman down the line. Let's it drop in foul territory. Did that look like they intentionally let the ball yes. drop? Yes. That's exactly what it looked like. Because Guzzi's going to catch that. Trevino could have caught it. Now you're at one and two to a guy who with Boston has struck out 21 times in 42 at bat. Well, <laughs> we'll have to find out if there was some miscommunication or if Guzzi really did deliberately let it drop so that Miner could get a strikeout. I don't know if Miner might have said something to Guzman. Possibly. Told him to let it drop. Wow. Well, there are two strikes now, and here's the one-two delivery. Struck him out looking on the inside corner. Chris Woodward's already out of the dugout to come get Mike Miner after his 200th strikeout of the year. And thank you, C.B. Buckner. We don't like to umpire from up here, but it appeared that pitch might have been a tad inside. <laughs> 200 strikeouts, and the announcement is being made as the Ranger infield converges on the mound to congratulate Mike Miner. And Chris Woodward sends him on his way to a standing ovation. This feels like a moment out of Major League or something. Yeah, it does. It's so it insane. So if it mattered so much to Boston, why didn't they pinch hit for that guy that has 21 strikeouts and 42 at-bats? 
Like, what are they doing there? Hey, let's sacrifice an entire inning and let him serve up three pitches, and then we'll put Mr. Strikeout up there at the most exciting moment of it all. See if he can get his, a barrel on a ball. Oh, he's going to drop it. I just think what a over joke. The, the course of the year, it's such a freaking marathon that little things happen within the game, the game within the game. This one spun away from two punch <laughs> drunk teams here at the at the end of the season and you know from a ranger standpoint uh, you know you can see both sides of this i understand why it was an important milestone it sounded important to woody he he liked rewarding the player but then you you know like look at Guzzi. Guzzi didn't even understand Guzzi's like what i don't <laughs> he was involved in one of the most important plays if not the most important play he didn't know what the hell they were doing i he love didn't care that's not a team thing winning is a team thing that's a personal stat dude he was going for that out until uh trevino and mike were and minor were yelling at him at the same time <laughs> like he was going in to make that catch if you look there's an opposite camera angle that shows Jose, like, you can see his head move. He's yelling so violently for him to drop it. <laughs> so, funny stuff, man. Uh, certainly entertaining. I don't know that I went into yesterday going, man, I cannot wait to see how this getaway <laughs> game unfolds today with Boston and Texas. But they gave us uh, entertaining and compelling drama and certainly lots of stuff to talk about. All right, it's the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, we always love it when Jerry joins the show, and Jerry gave us gold. We'll get into it next right here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.